This is the In Focus podcast from the Hindu. Hello and welcome to the Hindu's In Focus podcast with me, K. Bharat Kumar. The G20 summit under India's presidency last week announced the launch of the India Middle East Europe Economic Corridor or the IMEC. It aims to enhance connectivity and trade linking India to Saudi Arabia and then on to Europe. The other signatories to this proposal include the UAE, the EU and the US. In some quarters this is also seen as a sort of a challenge to China's Belt and Road Initiative or the BRI. That Italy has signaled to China its keenness to exit the Asian nations infrastructure initiative adds to the intrigue to help add to our understanding of what the IMEC could mean to India. Dr. Nagesh Kumar, director for the Institute of Studies for Industrial Development joins us. Uh, Dr. Nagesh Kumar, uh, really appreciate your being with us today at very short notice shortly after the announcement of the G20 happened on the India Middle East Europe Economic Corridor. Keen uh, me looking forward to insights from you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for getting me. I would very much like to talk about this very important announcement. So the initiative seems to aim to help countries realize economic benefits. They talk about connectivity, greater efficiency, global reach, cutting costs and all that. So if I were an exporter wanting to export something, my, my, my goods to Saudi Arabia or France or Italy, because that's all the country this touches, what route would I take now? And how will the corridor, you know, whatever time it shapes up when complete, offer me greater reach or low cost? I just wanted to understand what it would mean to me if I were an exporter from India. The corridor has been planned uh, in two parts. One is uh, the eastern corridor and the northern corridor. So eastern corridor will connect India with Middle East. So, uh, you know, we, for instance, the exporter uh, puts his or her container on a ship going to one of the mid, uh, Middle East uh, ports uh, and then uh, it unloads, uh, I mean, because this is a design in a multi-modal manner. So, uh, so India to Middle East connectivity will be ensured by the Eastern Corridor. And then there is a Northern Corridor, which will connect Middle East with Europe. So these are two parts of uh, this corridor. So it would happen like that, this container would, go from, say, for instance, JNPT, one of India's uh, biggest ports, to uh, the Middle Eastern port, then it would take the land route to go to the uh, coast, other side of the coast, and then again be on the ship or a ferry to uh, go to the southern tip tip of uh, Europe, from where it would again be overland uh, train or a road uh, link to its final destination. So uh, that way, uh, you know, this whole corridor has been planned and uh, it would basically optimize the existing infrastructure. Uh, It's not that entire thing has to be resurrected from a scratch. So uh, land routes uh, within uh, Middle East and say, uh, you know, uh, different parts of uh, Arab world 
are there they will be used and uh, similarly within europe uh, the uh, you know the land transport system is very highly developed uh, both rail and road networks so they will be harnessed and uh, so this is something which will help to save uh, transit time and cost and uh, i think this is uh, uh, of course it has to be worked out but uh, given the volumes on these routes uh, because uh, both middle east and europe are very big trade partners uh, the largest trade partners of india and uh, so there will be volumes and that means uh, you know uh, all of these uh, trade uh, could be uh, shipped very quickly to destinations in uh, middle east or in europe uh, very uh, cost effectively and time effectively yeah so uh, just to elaborate on that point uh, you said there are already transit transport systems in place we just need to harness them so here if i were to use the same route now without this corridor having come up but use the same route to reach my goods to say the southern tip of france i would probably make use of different third party logistics providers but here hopefully i would get a one shot almost like a single window system say from jnpt to the south of france yeah yeah Oh, yeah. So, will I be given priority? Yeah. So, I think you know this is the whole point. When we call it an economic corridor, that means all the partners will come around, sit around table, and sign a an a framework agreement, uh, so to say, which will enable it all of this infrastructure and routes to be uh, becoming part of a single corridor. You know. so they will be woven into uh, seamlessly into one single corridor and so uh, you could sit in india uh, in uh, in mumbai in some freight forwarders uh, uh, office and uh, you know uh, your destination for your container would be your final destination uh, one single document not to sign 20 different uh, pieces uh, you know one shipping the container from jnpt uh, to dubai another from dubai to haifa from another haifa to uh, greece or athens or where you know so, and then uh, final destination so so this is uh, uh, what would make it a single corridor eventually not having to sign uh, or Uh, you know, uh, book it for different different destinations. So this is the which essentially a softer part would be more important. Softer part in terms of the TT to align these routes and make a single corridor. Okay. So what will it mean in terms of investments? Because um, two aspects here, and we will touch upon the China BRI corridor. later in this conversation but you know the point is if i have to develop infrastructure either rail or uh, road uh, only some parts may already be readily available for harness but who will invest because as it is if you look at our metros for example i'm sure many of our governments are doing a great job but you know it is probably uh, you know in some bad examples some 20 years before a certain route comes into play 
what do you anticipate with this uh, you know in on this front any prior experiences negative or positive that uh, give you insight into what how this could develop you see uh, there is a great advantage of uh, uh, talking between friends uh, uh, you know so when the political will is there to connect uh, most of the existing infrastructure uh, is there to be harnessed and uh, so uh, you know let me give you the example of uh, india bangladesh container corridor you know freight corridor uh, we're sitting next door to each other and uh, in fact india bangladesh share a, you know lot of very long uh, uh, land border uh, you know three sides of bangladesh is surrounded by india actually bulk of our india bangladesh trade which incidentally has grown very fast in the last uh decade or so uh was taking place through sea route so when the governments thought of uh, you know harnessing the potential of land route uh, through a container uh, corridor so some uh, you know demo runs were conducted and then uh, you know uh, they came around and uh, after the demo runs success uh you know there is now movement towards making it a formal uh, uh, trade corridor uh, you know so so similarly i think you see uh, within india connectivity to gntt is is all there on other routes uh, other uh, ports of india uh, whether it is mudra or uh, you know many ports on the western side they have already a good connectivity with middle east uh, ports and uh, then once you get into the land uh, you know in the either dubai or another of uh, uh, you know middle eastern ports in uae and then uh, use uh, the trunk routes that exist uh, and uh, then um, uh, you know uh, again uh, catch uh, a, you know once this corridor is lined up there would be an arrangement for the transshipment to uh, on the other side to uh, a ship which will be a regular service to the southern tip of uh, you know european ports uh, and uh, you know and then uh, taking it onwards so in effect my feeling is that one is not talking of lot of new investments but more of an alignment of the routes uh, and providing a framework for interchange for connections and all that and uh, you know so that uh, the clarity and legal framework is there from one place to the other using the transshipments and uh, multimodal uh, networks i i would have imagined it will take a couple of decades for example to see complete fruition but going by what you say that may not be the case over the next 3 to 5 years we may actually see a lot of action exactly i i think uh, it would not take because one is not building a new highway for instance or new railway for instance there will be some uh, you know places where there are few gaps which need to be filled but they can be filled up very quickly my feeling is that it can be resurrected uh, after a couple of uh, years of negotiations and uh, you know for, uh, 
preparing a document or framework, legal framework, which gives it a kind of a single window type of uh, uh, you know structure, and then you are in the business. So uh, and they have already put it in two parts, so eastern part and uh, northern part, and then then the you know the alignment of these two taking place in a parallel manner and then joining the dots. So I don't think it is going to take decades uh, and nor are uh, you know, going to be big investments requirements. So, uh, and over time, as it grows uh, and volumes are already there, uh, they, uh, you know, and, the, and these volumes will also grow further. Uh, as the efficiency of uh, the route is established, uh, there is no region uh, why most of the trade will be routed through it. Uh, so there will be, uh, you know, funds or investments flowing in because these days, as you know, uh, Bharat, uh, money is there, but viable projects, you know, uh, where the donors and banks can put in their money, they seem to be kind of... Uh, in rather short supply. Uh, so once there is this efficient uh, and uh, fast-growing uh, corridor uh, shaping up, money will flow in to make it more efficient, add more lines or, you know, whatever. The second thing they are planning is also to not leave it as just a logistics corridor, but also add... Uh, you know, other infrastructure to harness its potential fully. So, for instance, India and some of the Middle East countries are talking very big plants for green hydrogen. So, uh, green hydrogen being shipped through a pipeline, running across these corridors, Fiber optic cables, electric cables could also be running. So these days, this is how transport corridors are built. They are built alongside all the other, you know, the pipelines and cables run along the transport corridors. So that will be an additional, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, benefits, co-benefit, uh, which will also help in transporting clean energy and bring down the carbon footprints in all of these regions connected to this corridor. Okay. So what challenges do you think such a corridor can face? Because some corridors have been very successful in the past, over the last few decades. But there's one that could have worked to India's interest, but did not because of the trade um, uh, you know, skew in favor of, say, Russia. Uh, Russia exports a lot more to India than India exports to Russia. So the North-South, uh, International North-South uh, Transport Corridor that aimed to run via Iran into and Azerbaijan and then into Russia, that uh, corridor was being talked about, but nothing has happened. So what challenges do you see here? Right. Yeah. I think the, in principle, you know, I, uh, INSTC, International North-South uh, transport corridor uh, and uh, you know using chabar connecting with india uh, had a lot of potential however uh, you know as you said rightly trade was much more on one way uh, type of trade uh, 
Secondly, there were issues of geopolitics affecting it, uh, you know, with sanctions on Iran and all that. So, so this uh, never kind of lived up to its potential. And then it was, of course, serving a limited geography. What we are talking now is, you know, a much bigger, much more ambitious, much more partners, you know, is opening up uh, uh, the entire Europe to it, entire Middle East to it, and, uh, of course, India. And if I may, you know, we also have been working on a number of uh, connectivity projects on the eastern side of India. Uh, there is this India-Myanmar-Thailand uh, trilateral highway, which has been in the works for a long time. A lot of investments have gone into. So it's a real project. It's coming up. And uh, there is a Kaladan River multimodal <laughs> transport. There is a BIMSTAC connectivity framework or plan, connectivity master plan. Uh, there is a BBIN agreement. So there are many things happening on the eastern side. I imagine that once both sides of these corridors which are in the pipeline happen on India's east and India's west, which is this IMAC, it would be possible to join them. And what I dream of is, you know, when, you look, when I look at the world map and see India, India is sitting at the confluence of Asia, broader Asia, or greater Asia, if you like, and uh, Middle East and Europe on the Russian side. So that geographical, uh, you know, uh, sweet spot that India is sitting on, on the crossroads of Europe and Asia, could be harnessed fully. So I would imagine that both sides of these uh, corridors, which are in the pipeline, uh, could be joined to India's own uh, national uh, trunk routes, uh, both railways and uh, national highways. And so uh, traffic coming from the eastern side to Kolkata, for instance, entering uh, uh, India and then going and joining the JNPT onward to IMAC. Uh, could be a, a real possibility. Okay. So one uh, release from the government where I think Minister Jitendra Singh was commenting, uh, the release said that the IMEC will address obstacles created by Pakistan's denial of overland access and China's reported connectivity designs in the region. So if I have to travel westward as a cargo carrier, in terms of economic impact, what am I being denied now? I mean, say, if I have to fly to Saudi, if I could use the Pakistan or, or Iran for ma that matter, if I use the Pakistan air route, if I'm permitted to do that, how much time do I save? So any idea you can give us? I'm not an expert on air connectivity. I wouldn't be able to give or hazard a guess on how much time I would save. But what I know is that India has been facing a lot of problems in reaching the markets in Afghanistan and Central Asia, passing through China, uh, through Pakistan. And so, uh, in fact, uh, this, uh, uh, you know, the uh, alternate routes, uh, including INSTC and Chabar development, 
and then india building a road uh, in uh, iran connecting with afghanistan were uh, basically uh, to get access to uh, these markets in afghanistan reach out uh, to afghanistan and central asia uh, through alternate routes because we could not do that through pakistan and so with this opening up uh, with imac opening up all of those possibilities will also uh, you know be obviated so uh, we will have a independent uh, route i mean a route to or access to the middle east uh, independently of pakistan and so this would be uh, you know a great advantage for india feeling uh, constrained uh, to access uh, uh, our markets in the western side so just one final question sir um so many reports have been talking about uh, hey this is a nice challenge to be the belt and road initiative of uh, china uh, you know with also adding to the intrigue is italy hinting to china that you know during the g20 summit here in new delhi hinting to china that it would like to get out of the bri initiative while it seems to have been a signatory to this mec uh, initiative so a lot of moving parts in the geopolitical yeah, situation yeah. it this need not necessarily be a challenge exactly it serves our interest and bri as another route so be it if it succeeds when I mean, it does not really it's not competition in a sense right no not really uh, i see i mean in terms of connectivity more connectivity better it is so i do not see any issue however uh, there is an issue about bri because bri we have some experience of looking at it how it has uh, happened in the past there are two concerns one is the you know sovereignty issue that india has raised uh, so uh, you know so certain parts of india you know uh, which are in uh, control at this moment of uh, other countries are included you know so india's sovereignty has uh, been sort of affected in that uh, the other is the you know experience of many countries which are parts of bri that they have landed into debt crisis uh, with, by being part of bri and uh, our neighbors uh, you know in immediate neighborhood you know the, we are we have seen that and there is uh, the same kind of experience of many other so so we need to develop uh, these connectivity projects in such a manner that there are no intrusions into sovereignty of another country uh, and then they are done in a manner that it doesn't create a burden uh, for you know the uh, resources of uh, other countries so which uh, means yeah, sorry to interrupt but yes. which means that unlike the china model for bri here yes. the if yes. at all any additional infrastructure is required to make sure connectivity is there the funding or lending would come from multilateral development banks rather than any one country yeah well, yeah i think uh, in this case the partners are many of them are you know sitting on huge uh, sort of sovereign wealth funds and all that you know so many european countries the gulf countries uh, saudi arabia so so funding uh, 
as such is not going to be an issue in my view and uh, when you have so many partners benefiting from it multilateral funds will also uh, come uh, in very handy and and uh, easily in my i don't see any issues in bri's case uh, basically they are steamrolled by uh, you know china essentially and they come with the very uh, you know heavy or onerous terms they experience demands uh, so, sorry experience is uh, there which shows that uh, most of the countries which uh, were involved in these projects and had to borrow uh, on these onerous terms and they landed in um, debt troubles and many of the projects were undertaken without due viability you know assessments so for instance some airports have been built in our neighborhood where there is no volume no traffic and so they are white elephants and the host governments have to pay back the loans and interest so how do they pay when there is no revenue generation you know so this is a major problem so i think proper commercial viability uh, has to be verified before investments uh, are made and uh, and i think from that point of view imac would have a very big advantage because there are huge volumes of trade going uh, through this because they are already biggest trading partners of india both middle east and europe so viability i do not see uh, is going to be an issue and when there is a viability money whether it is uh, any country's money or uh, multilateral development bank's money there is a viability there is a recovery of that eg no no it's not a you know white elephant kind of a project we are investing in okay. Uh, Dr. Nagesh Kumar, thank you so much. There's a lot of insight that came through for every response uh, that you gave us. Uh, truly appreciate it. It certainly added to our understanding of what we could expect from this corridor. Uh, thank you so much for your time and for being with us. Thank you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.